Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com again. And let me welcome you back to the Out of College Basketball Podcast, which is now, of course, brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com slash Sports and use the offer code FUN. That's FUN at squarespace.com slash Sports. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. We what are, up? We are, uh, this is our first, I may, might be the first ever podcast where we have all been in the same room. We are in room 212. Okay, thanks for putting that out there. That's, That's my Matt room. Norlander. Yeah, it's not my room. It doesn't matter to me. Anybody want to prank call Matt Norlander at 6 a.m. 212 at the... Please don't give the hotel. We'll make you figure someone, out... Someone will do that. We'll make you figure out the hotel on your... Um, Jeff Barzello is to my left. Matt Norlander is to my right. They went out last night, kicked it around, going to Steakhouse, hit up Hooters, and so <laughs> while I was lying in bed trying to get some rest for this Final Four, you guys were after it. How were the waitresses at your local Hooters? They were actually uh, fairly mediocre, I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. Wow, jeez, I'm not going to go there. They were fine, but it was enjoyable. Take a stand on a Norlander. Put it on a scale. One to ten. Is, one, is, one, one to Rick Bird. What is it? There is no chance I am putting any women on, on a scale. Put it on a scale. I'm, I'm not putting anything on a I scale. I love putting things on a scale. He does, doesn't he? <laughs> anyway, it was a uh, a fine night to kind of initiate ourselves into Dallas. and uh, Why Hooters? Of all the places to go in Dallas. Well, coaches that will remain unnamed had kind of suggested Yeah, they wanted us we, to go with them. And we ended up walking, no joke. Nobody loves a Hooters more than a college basketball exactly. coach. Am I right? Exactly. That poor Hooters in... in uh, Augusta oh, for the God. Peach Jam. Yeah, Peach Jam, yeah. You might as it well be flooded. trying. You might as well be trying to get into the best restaurant in the world. Like you got a better shot. It's like a line, a waiting line, without reservations of getting into the best restaurant in Paris than you do with the Hooters in, in Augusta <laughs> during the Peach Jam. Like it is filled. People love no, it. People this love was, Hooters. But we, was, we walked in at like last call, and it was still packed. Yeah, and was, of yeah, course it, it was. was because once you're in Hooters, you ain't leaving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, so you never leave. Not, not unless you got somewhere do to go. Ever, yeah, do we ever really leave Hooters? I don't, I don't think no, so. No, no. Yeah. Life is one big Hooters. There we go. <laughs> a lesson learned already. This podcast is off to a thrill. Room 212. Yeah, 212. So we are here in Dallas. The Final Four is Saturday. It is uh, The first game will be Florida and Connecticut. The second game, of course, Wisconsin and Kentucky. Uh, I think we've been through most of this. Florida is favored in the first game. Kentucky is favored in the second game. We're headed... Uh, at least according to odds makers, toward an all-SEC final. Matt Norlander, what are we going to do between now and Saturday night? Yeah, we're going Besides to... Besides Hooters, of course. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to... Did you guys plan on going back there today? <laughs> okay. I don't plan on it. You... No, yeah, I'm not. I'm go not. in the... Out- I, mean, I wish you guys oh. could see what GP is wearing right now. He's got this big, floppy, like, winter knit hat. He's got shorts down to his ankles. He looks like an extra in a rap video from 1999, basically. Or an elf. Or Santa's elf. Yeah, in the summer. That's true. A summer, a summer Santa elf. Um, it's actually, the whole thing's kind of throwing me off, but I'm not shocked at all. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about the games and enjoy uh, enjoy this fine city, GP. What does that even mean? Exactly. Enjoy you asked, what are we going to do between now and the games? We're, we're going to talk about the games. City. We're going to write some Well, stuff. it is funny. Like we, Okay, we're so we're... Uh, all right, let me be a little more specific. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to catch a shuttle in a moment, and we're going to ride over to AT&T Stadium, and they're going to have press availability. Uh, I think the four head coaches will be there. Uh, one player from each team will for be today, available. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for today, right? Um, and I, 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 always, I always struggle with, with this day, and really tomorrow as well, because 
we know what the Final Four is going to be on Sunday, yeah. all right? And then we start talking about it almost immediately. And we, we, we record a podcast on Sunday night, and then we write about it all week long. And then we get here, and, and then we talk, We had a teleconference on Monday. We talked to Bo Ryan and John Calipari and Billy Donovan and Kevin Ollie. And then we write about it some more. And then we exactly. do radio interviews, and we talk about it some more. And then we get here, and it's like, now what? We've yeah. been going, we've talked every, like we've talked about this from every angle. What else are we going to talk about? I, I hope y'all got a good Hooter story in you for this podcast. Otherwise, we're going to we're going to be at done in like six minutes. <laughs> no. Well, I, what does anybody make? got a uh, uh, what, who, uh, who who sexually harassed the waitress most out of the table you were at? Put a uh, name on it. And then put it on a scale. I'm gonna say I'm gonna probably say Goodman. I don't even know if you don't know. Jeff Goodman was that movie sexually harassing <laughs> waitresses. I, I don't know. Nobody sexually harassed waitresses. It was we got there too late. We saw maybe two waitresses. The First, somebody, no, 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 let me stop you. I've been to enough Hooters in my life. Somebody is always the, sexu- creep, the creepy by, guy. Yeah. By definition, by by letter of the law, somebody is always sexually harassing the Hooters waitress. Yeah, that wouldn't be Goodman. He, he kept to himself. Goodman yeah. kept to himself? Yeah, he didn't he sexually was, harass anybody. He didn't try to tell you guys how to do your jobs? Uh, he, no, he told no, me. That, that was at the steakhouse. <laughs> yeah. At the steakhouse, he told me how to do my job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that, that, that. I figured he would have some good good uh, 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 job instructions for you. Oh, yeah, no, he's all over it, man. Oh, no, he, I, he, you know what he does is he misses the podcast. I oh, think. God. He, miss, he misses He misses us. He does. He does. Yeah, he does. No, he has camaraderie. Does. And we, uh, what was surprising is... Uh, a lot of coaches actually listen to this damn thing. Is that true? Yeah. We had a couple coaches come on yeah, to yesterday. Like, oh, I love like, the podcast. Love the podcast. Hey, love GP. No, love the podcast. Love what you guys are yeah. doing. And uh, I love it. I wish Parrish talked more. I mean, all this. I know. I always hear that. I always hear, the one complaint I hear about the podcast yeah, talk enough, is the people say, "Why don't you talk enough, yeah, Gary? Right. Why don't you? Why are you so quiet on the podcast? You're why? Why do you let Norlander and Borzello run the whole thing? Especially Borzello, especially Borzello. I'm, I'm running the show. All the time. I don't mean to talk so much. I just uh, I figured like what, what, what somebody's got to talk, and I asked you guys host. for a Hooter story. Like if I went to Hooters last night, I assure you I'd have a Hooter story. Oh, I, you guys come here with nothing. Even if you did, why am I even talking? have a Hooter story. I might have a Hooter story now. Yeah, you could. All right, but here's the thing. I What I think we should discuss... Got, bas- so, many, got so many Hooter stories. But what we should discuss basketball-wise is, okay, if you guys could see what Parrish looks like right now, it's absolutely <laughs> I really want to tweet out a picture of this. Um, this is something. That actually wouldn't be a bad idea. These dress slippers on. I might let you take They're one. They're like dress shoes with Boise State shorts that come down to his ankles. It's... They're like, Jesus. Team Leon. They're like El Oriaga's shorts and they're down to your ankles, man. Um... But we were discussing something before we started the podcast, and if you want to talk, you're going to probably write about it, but mm-hmm. if you want to discuss how n- certain patterns, narrative storylines, no matter what we get, no matter who wins Monday night, something is going to be, some idea of, of what a champion should be is going to be blown up with the four teams that we have here. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I think it's... In- like I said before, you, we have all this time to sort of think about this stuff. And I was doing a, a radio interview with uh, a Sirius XM show the other morning. And um, the host, he said, listen, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, it was like, you know, you can't win with all these freshmen. You've you got to have some balance to your roster. And, and really everybody, including Kentucky fans, were questioning John Calipari's approach. Never mind that he went to two Final Fours in the previous three years, won a national championship. Um, this at least at the time, appeared to be a season uh, that was going the wrong direction and wasn't going to amount to anything of significance, at which point, two straight disappointing seasons. I mean, I actually tweeted at one point, I think it was after the South Carolina loss, like Kentucky is the most disappointing team in America for the second straight year. And so I've had some Kentucky fans uh, retweet that at me over the past few days. 
but like we live in real time. You know, every yeah. everything you say or write or tweet is in real. And at the time, that was undeniably true. Nobody argued with it at the time. They turned it around. And tip of the hat to John Calipari. It's been a brilliant coaching job over the past uh, a few weeks. But the host on SiriusXM, he said, um, he said, okay, so we, you know, it seems like that was. He didn't use the word narrative, but that's what it was. And now it's like, well, now there are two wins from a national championship with the same roster that people said you can't possibly win with. And, you know, I, I think in this tournament, every year, because there's so many possible outcomes and random outcomes, given that they're just a, it's a single elimination tournament of 40-minute games with a, a relatively short three-point line, um, that, that people sort of pick whatever they think Whatever they're trying, whatever, whatever point, fits best into whatever their point idea. they're trying to prove. Yeah, yeah. So they'll say, if you're going to win a national championship, you, you better have this, and then and then I can in the same bracket point to really because here's something the complete opposite. And as I was thinking about this, there are a couple, a few different, um, I don't know, narratives that people try to apply to to winning a national championship in college basketball, and I think. We're at a point now, given the four teams that are left, that uh, regardless of the outcome, it doesn't matter who wins on Monday night, who plays on Monday night or who wins on Monday night, um, we're going to be able to do away with at least one of those. Uh, for instance, um, one of them would be, and this one is one people were yelling about as recently as a few weeks ago, you, you can't win with all freshmen. Like, it, it's all, you know, like McDonald's All-American team, you've got to have some balance to your roster, you got to have some program guys. Or at least with Kentucky when they won it. They had Darius yeah, Miller. You better at least have Darius Miller. Exactly. Said, what, what's wrong with Kentucky? We're like, oh, they don't have the leadership of Darius yeah. Miller. They don't have guys like Iran, Lamb, and Terrence Jones. Right. And in retrospect, yeah. now, it's like Darius Miller would lead a cavalry into war. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. what Darius Miller brought. So, um, when in reality, like, with all due respect to Darius Miller, you could take Darius Miller off that team. As long as you still got Anthony Davis and Michael K. Gilchrist, like, I'm still rolling with you probably, you know? Right. Um, so... Okay, if that's your opinion, that's fine. And I guess it is. It, it can be rooted in something real because no team's ever won a national championship with all freshmen, you know, with, without some balance on the roster. It's never been done, but it can, might be done now. And if it's done, then you can't say that ever again. You can't say John Calipari just recruiting six McDonald's All-Americans and rolling the ball out can't win a national championship because he might. He, he's on the verge I mean, of doing like- it. A month ago, we were saying that he's got to change his recruiting strategy. Everything he, he, he needs more. Yeah. He needs more four-year guys. The one and done is, is backfiring on him, and, and he's it's backfired all the way to the final four. Right. So yeah. Kentucky wins this thing. That's over with because because they're starting five freshmen, and really they only got one guy coming off the bench now with Willie Cauley Stein hurt, and he's sophomore. All right. So that's that. Okay. The other one we've heard forever is hey, Bo Ryan's great. Nobody denies he's great, but. You know that, that with that system, recruiting system players, you can't. You know, you can win a bunch of Big Ten games and and go to the tournament every year, but that sort of style, that approach, that's not built for March. You're not winning the whole thing. Well, what if he does? All right. Well, then yeah. that's done. All right. So then. And by the way, that would end a a drought for the Big Ten that goes yeah, back to Michigan 2000, State, yeah. 2000. And that and that league's been. You wrote a column on it earlier this season. I mean, that league's been. Pretty damn good over the past five years basketball in yeah. terms of being a basketball conference in performance. So the Big Ten's almost due. Uh, so if Wisconsin won that, it would obviously end that draft. So then the, the other one would be Florida, right? Uh, you, like we said with Kentucky, you, you better have some program guys, some, some veteran guys, some leadership guys. 
But you still got to have the pros. You still got to have the lottery picks. I mean, you and, and history does. Superstar and alpha male, and maybe Wilbekin is, but you know, but those guys not, really. Go they, look at your favorite mod graph. I don't care who it is. Exactly. There ain't Florida Gators all in it, right? Chris Walker's gonna play in the NBA someday, I think. Yeah. Scotty might. Yeah. Prather might. Casey Hill might. Casey Hill might. Dorian Finney-Smith might. Patrick Young might. Their two best NBA prospects might be Casey Hill and Chris Walker. And, who they, are, and they come off the bench. Yeah, they're, they're bit players. Yeah. It's wild that that's the case and that this is by far and away the number one overall. Like, There's no one even close in terms of performance and what they've done and that they don't have. It's wild like that, that this is the case. And, and this team, like everybody celebrates those back-to-back title teams, and they should. Those teams were awesome, right? Yeah. I love those teams. I love the way those were assembled. You know, Torian Green, perfect college point guard. Mm-hmm. Not perfect college, but great college point guard. Lee Humphrey, that yeah. knockdown shooter. Exactly. That Lockdown wing yep. in Corey Brewer. Two pro bigs. Another yeah. pro big coming off the bench, whether it was Richard or, or Spates the next yeah, year. Right. Like, those were perfectly assembled college basketball teams. Perfect. Well, this team, this Florida team, I don't think people realize, it's been more dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This year, yeah, the no, those teams were late. Yeah, the 17 was freaking out. The I saw them lose by a bunch, like at Vanderbilt. Right, Vanderbilt right? Yeah, right. this team never had slip ups like that. Mm-hmm. This team's only losses, as everybody knows at this point, were shorthanded losses. Yeah. I mean, so, this, so this Florida, they really could. So this Florida team is more dominant than those championship Florida teams. And so, don't tell me anymore that you got. Tell me it's better if you have pros. I'll listen to that. Or history suggests you probably need pros. I'll listen to that. Don't say you have to because as far as team on the verge of proving that you don't have to. Yep. Maybe maybe you need a Hall of Fame coach like Billy Donovan. Maybe that's the secret here. You don't need pros if you got a Hall of Fame coach being Billy Donovan. But but you can do it without all these pros because because what if Florida does it? And then the other option is, is is Connecticut, and we hear this all the time. Like there was a a time where. I guess over the past week, you hear about Wake Forest, and they said, "Listen, you know, they hired an assistant after Skip's death. Um, they didn't feel like that went the right way, even though he went to back to back NCAA tournament games. They're not going to hire an assistant again. Like they're just not going to do that. And, and you can't be hired. Wake Forest isn't the type of program where you hire an assistant. You need somebody with head coaching experience. Whatever. Like you know, Tom Crean didn't have any head coaching experience before he got to Indiana." He was okay well, there. Marquette. Marquette. I mean, Marquette, yeah. right. Um, uh, Fred Hoiberg is pretty famous at this point. Well, yeah, he's the, he's the, I think, the easiest and most obvious comparison to Ollie. Roy, Roy, yeah, Roy Williams had zero when he got to camp. So there's plenty of examples. I don't know why you'd box yourself in to that type of uh, a candidate pool. Of course, I don't know why you'd keep Jeff Bezelik as long as you did either. So I don't understand <laughs> any of it, right? Uh, but, okay, here's Kevin Ollie. No head coaching experience. Really no college experience and and he's a total outside the box hire and if he wins it then it proves that undeniably you can make those types of hires like there is no people all the time say well you know has he how long has he been an assistant or has he ever been a head coach or you know does he know how to recruit at the high major level and all of those things are fair questions in a vacuum but you don't have to none of you don't have to check all these boxes to be great you just have to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, Shaka Smart didn't fit a lot of the things that, well, has he ever been this? he ever been that? I don't know. He's great, though. Like, just hire him because he's great. Billy Donovan got hired when I think he was 29 years old. I think you could have hired Billy Donovan with no coaching experience, lots of coaching experience. I think he was always going to be great because Billy Donovan. John Calipari, same way. And so Kevin Ollie wins it. Don't tell me next time, well, at a program that's won championships like UConn, you got to hire somebody who's already established, who's, all, you know, who's been a head coach, who knows how to, because Kevin wasn't any of those things. 
and yet here he is. You know what you have to hire? Somebody who's good, somebody who's great, somebody who's got the goods, and you recognize it, somebody who's special. And so um, I, I do think that that's one of the many neat things about this Final Four is that regardless of the outcome, you're going to be able to do away with one of these uh, narratives that I think apply. Or presumptions, right. Yeah, you know, or assumptions that, that apply in general, but that there are clearly exceptions to. And maybe going forward, we ought to recognize that there are exceptions to all this stuff. I think so. Borzello, do you think that because Florida is clearly the odds-on favorite, um, we might be headed toward a situation where they beat UConn by 15 and then take whoever they play in the next game by 12 or 15? I mean, do you think that that's a greater possibility than people have been discussing so far? They have won 30 in a row. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and like they, the first four games, like we talked about earlier this week, you know, they just they never seem like they're going to lose. They yeah. just were had an eight to ten point lead kind of the whole game and just kind of cruised through. And I could see that happening again. I mean, I think it's going to happen against UConn, uh, just because I think they're just so much bigger mm-hmm. than them inside. And then I think Wisconsin and Kentucky. I mean, I, I just think that game will be closer. I don't think it's going to be a double digit win. Um, I do think Florida would beat either team. I just I think both teams. Um, I mean, they've already beat Kentucky. Three times. It's hard to beat a team four times in a season. Why is it hard to beat a team? Four oh, well, times oh my gosh, we're on the same wavelength because that's just what I was going to bring up. Exactly. Oh, it's always been hard. It's, why? You tell me what people well, say. I don't, I don't, I, it is a thing people say. It, that is a, it is a thing people say. Very much a it, thing people it, say. It is absolutely a thing people say. It, 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 but I don't know why people say it. Well, they say it about beating a team three times. Like I played my son in FIFA 14. Well, like I played him like 20 times. That's perfect. I beat his ass every time. It ain't hard. I beat him three times in a row. I beat him four times. You want to know why? Because I'm better than him. Yeah. When you're better than somebody, it's right. not hard to beat them over and over. You hear this all the time. You really hear. I mean, Kentucky all lost by more than one point in the SEC title. No, I got that. Like, not like it's been blown. It might be hard to beat Kentucky given the way Kentucky's yeah, right, playing right now. Yeah. I'll give you that. It's I'm not saying it's, it would be yeah, hard for I mean, Florida to beat. You never Auburn hear it. You never hear it in the NCAA tournament because teams rarely play four times. This right. is going to be very rare stuff yeah. if it happens. But you hear it all the time in conference tournaments. People are like, "Well, you know, this will be the third time that um, you know that." Well, this like Memphis and Connecticut this year played four times. And so Memphis fans were like, you know, I feel good about it because it's at FedEx Forum and because, it, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times. Well, why is it? It's not hard to beat a team three times. Like, you, if, if you take Duke and Virginia Tech this year and played them three times or 11 times or 40 times. Yeah. What, or Virginia and Virginia Tech. Who, like, it's not hard to beat somebody three times if you're better than that. Right. I hate it when people say right. that. Right. It drives me crazy when the, people say that. I know. Somebody tell a Hooter story. <laughs> but, you're, but the point you're making here is that... The amount of times they play is irrelevant to the outcome. It's more what team actually what team is plays better. better. Yeah. So you're not buying into the tweak. The tweak? The tweak. John Calipari's tweak? The tweak, yes. I think the tweak was more than anything else a, 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 mind game, a mind game confidence booster that he played on his own team. I think um, that John, and this is what John does. He's like, he's the best at it. He, he, he's the best I've ever seen at changing a story. With like snapping fingers, yeah. I remember there was one time when I was the beat writer at the commercial pill. Check this on your bingo card. Um, <laughs> uh, and so they went to the NCAA tournament. They played Arizona State. All right, it was Ike Diago. You remember him? Oh yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yes. Okay, so good. they go to the NCAA tournament, and John's like first few years. People don't remember this. Um, he did not get off to a hot start. Right. You know, he went NIT with with whatever. NIT with Dewan Wagner. Dewan Wagner. Like an awesome basketball team. Yeah. Kelly Wise, Dewan Wagner, Scooter McFadden. Jeez. Oh my, I'm 
I'm right? suffering some bring, serious flashbacks bring me right back, now. Man. Scooter right? McFadden. Love Scooter McFadden. How about that? And so, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, like, like a team that was Chris Massey's on the team. Like, yeah. like, like this team should have been Final Four contender, all right? And they went to the NIT. All right, so those were, I think, the first two years. And then they go to the NCAA tournament, and they play Arizona State. Rob Evans is the coach. And a close game at the half, and then they just got Diago in the second half. I mean, they, they got blown out. And so, the morning of that game, I had filed... Chris Massey lived right outside of Houston. And so, when Memphis played at Houston that year, I like went in a day early or stayed a day late or something. And I went to where he was from to try to... Because he was an interesting story. He was like a 25-year-old college basketball player. He was a high school dropout who then got his GD, went to junior college, and then came mm-hmm. to Memphis. Very, very poor background. Like, you know, lived on a dirt road, like dogs. I just remember dirt road, dogs were running around everywhere. Like, it looked like poor southern town. Yeah. It, it was bad. And um, so I went there, and I wrote the story. Now, Chris Massey had been on a media band the whole year long. He wouldn't talk to the media. He's just a weird. He was just a weird. He might be the best guy in the world now. At the time, he's a weird guy. And, or just an angry guy. Like, you could probably, if you're a psychologist, like, figure it all out. Like, dad left him or something. Like, it's all rooted in something. Like it always is. Which brings me back to Hooters. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, to the tweet. But, but um, so here's the point. This is going to make sense in just a second. So they get blown out. I've written this story. Now, if you went on the Memphis message board that morning, that story posted, it was all like, oh, my God, what a great story. Isn't that a one... How did Chris Massey went from there to here? Isn't this awesome? Because the whole story was written, this is the guy who was bringing Memphis back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in however many years. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe since, like, 1997. And, um, and so people were like, this is a great story. This is a great story. So then Memphis gets blown out. Chris Massey plays badly. And Cal goes on his radio show. So this was like a Thursday game or a Friday game, whatever. Monday night radio show. Normal John Calipari radio show. And he opened that. Now, fan, okay, so so suddenly, keep in mind, five hours before the game, fans love the story. They think the story is great because it showed how where Chris Massey came from, and this is awesome. They get blown out. Then fans are not talking about my story anymore. They're talking about, why are we paying this guy a million dollars a year? He goes to the NIT with Dewan Wagner and Antonio Burks and Chris Massey and Kelly Wise and Scooter McFadden and all these guys. All right, wildly underachieved. Misses the NCAA tournament. Uh, then he makes the NCAA tournament finally in his third year. Gets blown out by the Ole Miss's old coach. Like, why are we paying this guy? Most overrated coach in America. Like, this is what people are yelling about. So he goes on his radio show and he says, you know, it's just really tough because, like, I love Chris Massey and everybody loves Chris Massey. I'm paraphrasing here. But, yeah. um, you know, to wake up the day of the biggest game of your life and have to read that story. Like, it just messed with his head, and it's just oh like, we were, we were done in. And, you know, it's just really tough when you live in a city where, you know, even the local paper's out to get you. You know, even the beat writer who's with you every day is trying to, to play mind games with your team before the biggest games of their lives. And so, I'm not making excuses, but, you know, it'd just been better if, like, the local paper would have, you know, taken a different approach, because then maybe we'd have been able to take a different approach. And so then, suddenly, like, fans are killing me. Oh, wow. Killing me. All right? Nobody's talking about John Calipari, most overrated coach in America anymore. Talking about Gary Parrish, most overrated writer in America. Out to get the team, out to tear down Chris Massey, whatever. And I just remember, and I remember calling him. His show went off, say it was from 6 to 7. 7.01, I call him. Answers the phone, to his credit. 
And I said, John, listen, if you're just if if you really believe that stuff, then we need to talk. If if you if you're just doing what you have to do for what you have to do, then I get it. He said, I'm just doing what I have to do. I said, okay. okay. That was the end of it. Hmm. All right, change the story yeah. like that. This is the exact same scenario what he did with this team. People questioning him, people questioning his approach, people questioning how he could take all this talent and lose, get swept by Arkansas, lose to South Carolina, be unranked, be on the verge of being an eight seed in the NCAA tournament. And suddenly, after months of saying, like I was at North Carolina when his postgame press conference in December was rooted in, I've talked to these guys, and I've told them, if you want to keep doing what you're doing, fine, but you're going to keep losing. You know, get on, you, I'm trying to coach you, but if you don't want to be coached, that's fine. Keep, he kept putting it on them. Yeah. November, putting it on them. December, putting it on them. January, putting it on them. February, putting it on them. Suddenly, after they lose to South Carolina, the fans are turning on John. This, this is not the way to run a program. We're Kentucky basketball. Gonna, you know, disappointing for the second straight year. And suddenly he stands up and changes everything he says. Talks about a tweak that he just discovered. <laughs> Keep in mind, he's a, he's a basketball coach. Yeah. There is nothing John Calvary saw in March. After he, five months. Right, like, oh, okay, oh, like, stop. I only noticed this. But it was brilliant because he said... He came upon coaching plutonium. Yeah. Here's, here's what happened. Here's what he did. He noticed th- that... Trying to say, I'm John Calipari, national championship coach. I'm John Calipari that puts kids in the NBA draft. You better listen to me and do what I say. For whatever reason, they weren't responding to that. It was not working. So his new approach was, oh my God, guys, I just realized I've been doing this all wrong. We have to change this, and now everything's fine. Like, I know fans are turning on us, and the media's turning on us, and people are calling the biggest, but that's all crazy because what they're talking about is what we've been. It's the old team. But we're yeah. not that anymore because we've tweaked it. And now we're fine. Everything's fine. And he got a bunch of 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds to believe it. More impressively, he got a whole fan base to believe it. Yeah. But the interesting thing to me is maybe that's all it took was getting Andrew and Aaron Harrison and Julius Randle and, and the rest of the guys to, to believe in themselves again, to stop worrying about what they weren't and just, like, you hit restart. It would be the equivalent of, like, you're in a bad marriage for four years. And you can't figure it out. No matter what, it just ain't working. And then suddenly, your wife walks in and says, Hey, I know we've had some problems over the past four years, but... Let's go to Hooters. But let's go to Hooters. No. But um, I just realized, after all this time of thinking about it, and arguing about it, and going back and forth, I just realized what the problem is. And so the problem is now fixed. So let's just be happy. And you're like, cool, let's just be happy then. And then you really were just happy. It, it, like, it, she just played a, like, mind freaked you, right? And that, that is what happened uh, with, with this team. And, and it, I think it's, like, I'm not even mocking it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I get you. But the idea that there is some big tweak, like some big basketball, that, with all due respect, like, Seth Greenberg, like, is paid to go on television every night. He did not identify it, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying they haven't changed some things. Right. But it's not like they... They've been playing man-to-man and start playing zone. Yeah, they're playing relatively the same style, same way. They're just doing it a lot more confidently. I think that I think the biggest thing about this tweak is, um, A, it changed the story that was connected to the program. Suddenly, this whole fan, it's it, like it's brilliant. You had a whole fan base. And with Kentucky, it's a massive fan base. Criticizing you, criticizing the way you recruit, criticizing the way you run your program, criticizing the way you deflect criticism, all that stuff. You just, like that, get them talking about, 
ooh, what's the tweak? What did he figure out? Oh, wow, isn't it awesome he figured it out? Mm-hmm. Nobody was talking about that other stuff. And then I do, and, and then it, it really, like, I, I don't think there's a big basketball tweak. I think there's a big mind tweak. Yeah. And, and again, I'm not my, I think it is, like, I don't know how other people define coaching, but to me, that kind of stuff is coaching. I think and that, I think yeah, it's brilliant. It's motivation. I mean, it's, it, exactly. it completely changed their confidence playing. And, you know, they, obviously, in the game at South Carolina, they looked awful. And, you know, he, he decided to just pretend there was some sort of big thing, and now they're playing so much more confidently. And, it's unbelievable. And I, th- I, I think Kentucky-Florida uh, is the matchup most people want to see. I'd be fine, personally, with Wisconsin. I, I, I enjoy the way watching the way they play. But uh, if we got that fourth matchup between the Gators and Wildcats, I think that's the one that people would want the most because it's, it's, it is the most appealing possible final matchup. All right, remember, you listen to the Island College Basketball Podcast brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace is constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. Beautiful designs for you to start with, and all of the style options you need to create a unique website for you or your business. Squarespace, it's easy to use, but they still have an amazing support system. Teams available 24-7, and it all starts at just $8 a month. And you can start a free trial with no credit card required, which means... You can start building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, remember, make sure to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and show your support for the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. Yes, F-U-N. All right, before we finish this up, let's, um, Norlando, you just said that Kentucky-Florida is the most compelling championship game matchup, and I think that's probably true. It's Donovan Calipari, it's two SEC teams. Which, um, way, playing for the four times. Two SEC teams. Right, right. No, I actually agree with you. Here's my question for you, and uh, this will be uh, the final question of the podcast uh, presented by Squarespace. Um, we'll start with you, Norlander. Yeah. Fine. I think we all agree that's the most compelling championship game. What's the most compelling Monday night standing on a ladder cutting down a net? What's the most compelling the, final we could get? The, that is... Champion. You know what? Forget the game. I know. The champion, okay. To me, and there are, I think it's fantastic that we genuinely, no matter who wins, we're all going to have good stuff to write about. Borzello's giving me the freaking wrap it up sign. Give me a break. Dude, Um, you're, what's the most compelling champion? I know. I'm I'm setting it up. I'm a soliloquy. I I, I, I can't can't ever get mad at that. That's just true. You talk for 25 and 30 (laughs) minutes of this podcast. I, I would say if Billy Donovan joins Wooden, Krzyzewski, Rupp, Calhoun, and Knight as the only coaches with three titles or more, and he's not even 50, and by the way, he's older now than Knight was when he won his final title in 87, which is kind of mind-blowing. How about this? He's younger now than when Bo Ryan got the Wisconsin job. That's also oh ridiculous. Um, he's still four years younger it's amazing. than when, when, when Bo Ryan was Billy Donovan's age right now. He was still coaching Platteville, Platteville I believe. Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, so to me, Donovan getting that third at this age opens up a lot of interesting stuff for his future. If he, you know, if he can be a Florida lifer if he wants, if he wants to ever, the NBA you know, this year. go to the NBA. You know, when you do this with this senior class, is that kind of... The way you want to end Exactly. Things, yeah. So to me, that's the most compelling, but I'm telling you, no matter... I would go with... Go ahead. I would probably go with UConn. If Napier leads them to some sort of oh Kemba Walker type That's also run, ridiculous. if he puts up like thirty in the in the semifinals and championship, like I, to me, him just putting a you know a, a solid UConn team on his back, just like Kemba did four three years ago. It is it is three years ago. I think that would be it. Yeah. because earlier today I was like running through. I was trying to remember just without looking like far as that. I don't have a good memory, and so um, like people always ask me. 
Like, uh, so how does this tournament rate historically? I'm, I don't have any idea. I don't barely remember. It's, it's you know, good. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels great. Like yeah. I had a good time. I don't know how it compares to 2002, but um, so I was running through it. To your point, and I was like, okay, 2006, that that was the first title. 2007 was the second title. 2008, that was Kansas Chalmers. 2009, that was Carolina. 2010, that was the Duke team. 2011, that was Kimba. Like I didn't yeah, say, right. I was didn't. UConn, that was Kimba. I went. Yeah. That was Kimba. Like that's yeah. what popped into my head. That was Kimba. And Shabazz has an opportunity. Like if we look at this in 2020, and we look back, it'll be that UConn be, wins. It'll be us uh, Napier. That was the Napier. Game. I don't yeah, think. Right. It, it won't I, be. I, I think that you usually attach it to a team. Oh, that was Duke. That was uh, uh, Florida back to back. When I got yeah. just instinctively, yeah. and when I got to 2000, I was like, oh, that was Kim. Yeah. And by the way, if, if they did pull it off, it would be more impressive because this UConn team isn't as good as that UConn team, and this team is facing a much tougher challenge than that 2011 team did if they'd have to go through Florida and, you know, Wisconsin team that's obviously really You're good. You're saying it's better than playing Butler. Yeah, well, and, you know, <laughs> Butler, VCU, that 2011 field was pretty, uh, was, was actually historically the weakest we've had for Final Four teams. I think you're both wrong. Really? I think the best story we could get late Kentucky? would be Bo Ryan. Bo Ryan? Uh-huh. Getting a, a national None, none of us have Kentucky as the best story. I don't know if there's story. a wrong answer here. But I, I don't think there's a wrong answer. But that, that would be amazing, and I'll let you finish here, but there's also this uh, bittersweet backdrop here to Bo, and that he went to a Final Four with his father every that year. That would all be part of the story. Exactly. Yeah. It's all part of the story. His dad's not here. Like, like literally the here. first time he's been to a Final Four without his father forever. And he and happens to be in the Final Four. In, and in, and, and again, for the sake of the story, cutting down nets, winning yeah. the national championship. I think that's about as good as it gets. But like the one we didn't mention, like what's better? Like the Fab Five has been celebrated, celebrated for, for you know, two decades, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't do the whole thing. Yep. And yet this Fab Five, which has already, by the way, played more games starting together as freshmen than that Fab Five did. Yeah. Doing the whole thing like that's a tr- that's that's an all time story. story too, yeah. So it's going to be good regardless. Well, thank you, Matt Norlander, and thank you, Jeff Borzello, and thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. This was nice. We're spooning actually in my bed right now. That you could never even true. tell. That's you could never even tell. Not true. Very spacious. You poor guys. You go to Hooters and have no stories, and then talk about spooning with me the next day. Uh, I didn't talk about spooning with you the next all day. All right, <laughs> I knew I, I knew I, I could get down with you. <laughs> Okay, there we go. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna do this again when Monday morning. Uh, if you want, man. Oh, Monday morning's tough. Then let's, not, just, let's just do a wrap up. Like, let's, let's do it like late, late Monday night. Like I'm, wee hours Monday night. Well, I'm thinking, no, I don't I'm thinking about not waking up early Monday I'm th- morning. I'm thinking, how about this? How about we just let the games play out, and then either late Tuesday night or early Wednesday we wrap it up after we're after. There is no time. way I'm getting home on Tuesday and talking to you guys. Yeah, night. I want to talk to you guys for like two weeks. There's no way we're recording this Monday night when we're all filing on deadline. No, no, no. I know that, but like, I'm not getting home and talking to you. I'll talk to you on Wednesday morning. All right, I don't, let's do that. I don't know. Let's we should wait till Wednesday morning. Should we do a Monday morning advance the championship game? Look back at the, Should we do a Sunday? Uh, right, look back and look ahead. You want to look back <laughs> and look ahead? You want right. to look back like and look ahead? 20 minute quick podcast, Ted? We can Dude, do that. I can't, I can't tell minutes. one story. He, take, he told two I'm stories. Not, it took it's 41 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap this up. I got to catch a damn shuttle. All right. Take care of yourselves. Squarespace.